These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian in Chicago. Eight and a half years ago, I was in a coma, but I woke up and now I'm here and I produce and I host this show. So welcome to it. My guest this week is Ian Abramson. When I started stand-up, one of my first favorite stand-ups in the city, he is always trying to find new containers for stand-up to sit to sit in, sit into, fit into. I think sit in works as well. And he is always playing with form. There's there's a way in which he is a very like old-timey, almost vaudevillian performer. And then also it feels like he's from another sci-fi universe. He's great. And I hope you enjoy this conversation and his work, which you can find on Instagram. He has been on Conan. He was on Gary Busey's Pet Court, which apparently exists. And also he's doing stand-up in Chicago. So if you're in Chicago or you're going to be, go see him perform. If you're if you've got a show, book them on your show. There is a some little bit of mention of Tim Barnes, his good buddy, recent guest on the show. So when we talk about Tim, that is who we're talking about. If you want to get full context for that stuff, you can go back and listen to that episode recently. Also, you can get a little bit of a more intimate experience by listening to the full conversation. Ian and I do some catching up on this episode. You can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr to get those full episodes. Also, you can always get all the audio if you join at $5 a month as an afterhead. But if you become a pigeon level patron at $15 a month, you get your name said on the podcast. Those people are Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, Shuba Singh, John Lee, Debo, and Barry Fontenot. Welcome, Barry, to the Pigeon Level crew. There are other ways to support the show if you can't do it financially. Most importantly, just they're just different versions of tell people about the show. So tell a friend about the show. If that happens via subscribing or posting a review on whatever app you've got, that's very great. So thank you. And yeah. that's that's what i've got so thank you for being here and enjoy my conversation with ian abramson i grab your whip and take it back to shotgun when i'm in shotgun that's very true that's very true i love that well let's just let's jump right into it because we might we might not but we might be circling the usual question i start off with which is love it hit me ian abramson paint your hell wow one, that's not a question. And two, stop <laughs> using my name with others. Uh, the, okay, paint my hell. Oh, man. Um, I'm having to walk somewhere that I don't know how far the destination is. So it's like the feeling of being in line or in traffic but instead, it's like, I don't know when I'm going to get there. And I just have to keep going until I'm there. You know, it's like Sisyphian. I'm, I'm almost glad. 
Yes, I'm end. almost glad I didn't get that right on the first try. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like as if I'm using that word all the time. I yeah, don't <laughs> um, learning how to use it properly is itself a Sisyphean. Wow. You know? Oh man, you're so right. <laughs> I love that. And once you do it, finally, you go back down to the bottom of the hill. Yeah, you, you, un- you have to unlearn it every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. So definitely waiting. Uh, I definitely I'm I have a resistance to um i don't know being told what to do in this very like baseline childish kind of way of just like mm-hmm. like let me figure it out you know so i'm sure my hell is the putting confronting that over and over again for sure where it's like uh okay my my hell would be um Someone saying you have to do this mundane task. There is no reason for it and keep going, but you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, something like that would definitely be hell. And then on top of it all, I'm completely on fire. Okay, sure. Just a classic throw. Yes. 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 Yeah. Is, Is the being told what to do worse in say a personal relationship context versus a work context versus a creative context, or is it all kind of across the board, the same bad? So to again, try to find the vulnerability of it. I'm scared. I think that it comes from, it it pops up everywhere. Right. And I, Mm -hmm. I have to learn how to be aware of it. If you asked me 10 years ago, um, if you had said like, you know, you kind of you kind of don't like to be told what to do. And I'm like, you don't get to tell me that. That definitely <laughs> yeah. would have been my response, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, it comes from, like, I'm. have you ever had to do math with someone looking over your shoulder? It's just a little more stressful, you know? You're just yeah, like, I don't, I don't. Time, but yeah. You, you get what I, that feeling of like, I'm doing long division. Please don't watch me. I'm probably going to like, I'm probably, I'm, it's just going to take me longer than it feels like it should take. And maybe that's in my head, but you don't got to watch me. Um, that, but kind of for everything, right? Like I, I, um, dude, I posted my, my own show the wrong day, like three times. You know what I mean? Like I, like I, <laughs> I, I mean, that, in that case, myself. having yeah. an audience will feel so triumphant, though, that they made it past like all those fucking You're telling me. obstacles yeah. that you set for them. <laughs> an obstacle course to come to a show. Yeah, right. yeah, it's viral marketing. That's what it is. It feels like, yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because you have set up a a thing for yourself, a persona that sure. that would tweet the wrong date for your show <laughs> Absolutely. three times in a row. You know, I one I once went on tour and called the tour. The show was yesterday. <laughs> so this, yeah, I get what you mean. This it's is like, so like, relatable, <laughs> man. The like, are you familiar? Do you do you know the Minutemen at all? The band? No, no. They're they're one of my favorites from from yeah. the 80s punk band from Southern California and they're oh, nice. they're very like into like album length statements, but the big documentary on them uh you know, the bass player Mike Watt talks about um the these multiple concepts. They so their big records called Double Nickels on the Dime. It's one of my favorite albums. 
it great title it, have no idea what it means well so here's it. the thing right they made it a double album because the band husker do was on the same label and they were doing a double album so they're like the huskers are doing a double album for some reason we have to also do a double album yeah yeah each of the sides because four sides on the double album record yeah um they did like a fantasy draft of which songs so the bass player the guitar player the drummer three-person band and then yeah. like kind of odds and ends on the fourth side they each picked in order i want this song on my side i want this song on my side so oh, that's, that's another cool. thing and then there is a sammy hagar song called i can't drive 55 and so <laughs> they were like his music sucks we're gonna be adventurous in the music and we'll drive exactly the speed limit double nickels 55 exactly oh, on the dime so yeah. that is the whole thing and then at one point he's just like no one really got it and it's just like this is like one of the great it, it wasn't good yeah. for that part of me because yeah. it kind of encouraged me it's like you're if if you call your show if you call your tour the show was yesterday you're probably a misunderstood genius you know <laughs> That is a very kind interpretation. Well, that's how I, it feels. You're like, yeah, I've got so much going on, man. There's so many layers, you know? I love to try to sneak in jokes in places that you might not expect them. And I love to commit to that kind of uh, that kind of chaos. It's fun for me. The when you remember in Phantom Thread when he's like, you can you can sew almost anything into the uh, mm -hmm. uh there's something to be said for the like having the attention to detail that people almost certainly won't notice. It's that it it still can enhance whatever it is you're trying to make. Uh, Chuck Avery, Tex Avery, Chuck Jones, mm. Chuck Jones said that when they were designing Coyote of uh, Coyote and Roadrunner, that he was really inspired by Japanese waves, the paintings of Japanese waves. And Whoa. if you look at Coyote's tail, you can kind of see it. You're like, oh, I get, oh, interesting. Wow, that's cool. And does, does that add to it? I don't know. What I do think it did was made it allowed him to care about it to a level that probably made the whole thing better, you know? It dials you into a level of intention. Yeah. That allow that that just makes navigating through things Yeah, it, it makes shit tighter for sure. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a reminder too that like, oh man, I'm I'm doing this. Or there's there's I'm I'm doing this for a reason other than just doing it right like I'm it means something to me this is my little garden and this is how I choose to grow it and yeah. that's always a helpful reminder and it's nice that it also is in the case of the show was yesterday also very much a like channeling of the fuck you I won't do what you tell me impulse of just like no one's even <laughs> told you what to do anything but you feel like the gods of you oh, have you want to easy name to a find tour. a show yeah, yeah. well guess what <laughs> right. I'm gonna stress you out every time you think about it <laughs> yeah. what do you hope happens when you die oh man is that you a know, difficult I've question been... for you <laughs> it was certainly a left turn. I I love it. The uh, deeply changed after my father died um, in like 2017 or 18. And 
then really the last few months it's kind of been evolving too as i i just think about it differently and i'm like um regardless of how one feels about it you don't get an answer right you don't get to know the answer and therefore on some level you are choosing your answer right uh mm -hmm. while you're living you're you're choosing what that is for yourself and with that in mind i've been like okay well what are some of the more interesting choices and just kind of thinking of it that way so what do i hope happens when i die i hope that the world thrives and it's not because i died or because i was ever alive but just like what are we all doing here well we're all here because we've been slowly building civilization one generation at a time. And I'll tell you, it's been going mediocre at best. <laughs> <laughs> it's been going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's I, it's sometimes <laughs> gone. Right? Yeah. So um I don't know. My my big quarantine project was about Theodore Roosevelt. I wrote a bunch of material about him. And the way I framed it was basically like you have Theodore Roosevelt, who was determined to be a very important man. And wouldn't you know it, became a very important man. Uh, but then later in his life, he was shot and survived. He was shot and gave a big speech. Uh as he was bleeding. And it was kind of just like a big flex of like, wow, Theodore Roosevelt, the man's right, man. Right, right. But what but what people don't talk about is who shot Theodore Roosevelt. And so I framed the whole show around the guy that shot him and Roosevelt. Because the guy that shot him also thought he was a very important person and went out of his way to do something that he thought would cement that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he was motivated by mental illness more way more than than like politics to to put it as succinctly as i could um when asked why he did it he was talking about like ghosts and stuff it was uh sounds like I, a good podcast guest <laughs> well so that like i i mean i found the letters that he wrote after he had been committed after shooting roosevelt handwritten letters and i so I got to really study this guy and think wow. about like what he thought about himself and how he saw the world. And when he's kind of pumping himself up, it feels very similar to how Roosevelt is pumping himself up, right? Like you're just like, oh, these are guys that are just fully, they have full conviction. <laughs> Roosevelt happened to be right, but right. They, they have something similar in the DNA. Which to me says you don't really get to know, you know, like you just don't get to know if what you're doing means something. Every parent, hopefully, is is probably doing their best, and uh, it it turns out pretty differently for everybody, you know. I don't know. It, I I'm talking in circles a little bit, but no, no, my, no. Yeah. I well, first question is: is that show somewhere? Is there a is there a a produced, uh, a, a tangible or visible product somewhere of that? That show remains in process. There's cool. other stuff I want to workshop in Chicago first, but that's kind yeah. of in the queue. I'm making myself earn that. But I have like 90 cool. minutes written, and I, wow. I 
am ready to do it. I just, um, I've, I'll take out bits and pieces and try them, you mm -hmm. know, uh, but I want to get a new hour on its feet. That way I feel like I'm fully, um, I don't want to start with that, right? Like I've already put so much work into it. I want to to feel like comedically I'm getting in shape so that I don't get my head too far up my ass talking about uh, Theodore Roosevelt. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Well, okay. And then the other question is, I guess it's two part. You you talked about at least a few movements. So there's before your dad died and then after. Yeah, I'm curious how that shifted you're thinking and then it sounds like now the the most recent couple months is what's shifting you towards well we get to choose so what's interesting is that right yeah 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 what was um, it before like what did you start with i was brought up lutheran which is a uh kind of a safe and boring version of being a protestant um i I love Lutherans. They're 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 pretty chill. And in my lifetime, women have I'm pretty sure always been allowed to be pastors. And they've uh, they're they remain. I think large. I'm <laughs> I, I can't speak on behalf of the Lutheran Church, but it seems like they are supportive of LGBTQ trans people, and um, they navigate that and when they you know they they've had to figure that out but when i hear about other denominations i'm like Ooh. so i feel pretty lucky that i you know i don't have to ask like what would it be like if the core values that are as deep instilled in you as possible came into complete question with what you're looking at on a daily basis i don't have to grapple with that really right. you know not so in the those way values that a lot of people stayed do. core to you they evolve, they grow, but uh, you kind of revisit them in different ways and are just like, oh, yeah, it's good to be good to people for the sake of being good to people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, that's like, like that's talking... like practically, I mean, that's like a platitude, right? Like no one on earth sure. would agree with, would disagree with that out loud. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so, but it's not like up until 2017, you were like still like a church going Lutheran. No. Okay. No. Um, I worked in at Lutheran summer camps mm. kind of throughout college because I went to Lutheran summer camps as a kid because summer camp is fun as hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, which means I'm friends with people that uh, went to seminary, became pastors and um, remain very close with them. I, I don't know if the it, agnostic is probably a, a, the 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 best label for yeah. me before my father died, and now I'm just like, hey, come on, my dad died. Do I need a label? Come on. So, but it sounds like you didn't need a you didn't need a label before, and now you're like even just more more. But put it upon. comes back to you can't tell me what to do. You right. Know what I mean, right. yeah, it's <laughs> totally. it's yeah. Agnostic is very much like so. You don't believe? I didn't say that. Right. So you believe gotcha. a little bit. I didn't say that. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally. I, <laughs> but I I guess now I try to just live in that. Mm -hmm. Um 
I try to just live in, I don't know, I don't have to know. <laughs> I have encountered plenty of people who have dedicated their lives to trying to know, and what it's mostly given them is everybody in their life asking them, well, how do you know? Sure. You know, it's like working at an Apple store. Uh, hey, can you configure my relationship <laughs> with God for me? I just got upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Is it so then in the last couple months, what has been the shift? Coming out of COVID and maybe, maybe months, you know, it's not the kind of thing you track, right? Like you're not, right. it's not like you wake up and are like, huh. I feel spiritually different from now on um, because that's not really how I would describe it. I've just been kind of thinking about it differently. You know, um, it's coming out of COVID a lot of things that seemed like the most important thing in the world instantly became clear to all of us. were not important at all. And that's uh the idea of having a job, I think, is very different for most of the world now. It's just, it's, I'm not like, you know, everybody probably has kind of a different feeling about what it means to have a job, why we have a job, what you deserve to get out of a job, etc. And people feel all kinds of different ways about it. But I, you, when you, you kind of step back, I don't know, man. COVID was very weird for all of us. That's why I'm glad you're you're doing a one-man show about it. I can't wait to see what you have to say about it because you're going to be a lot better <laughs> at talking through that stuff than I am. I watched Ocean's 12 over 100 times. You know what I mean? And did I you didn't, really? Of course. And I did. That was not for a project. That was... <laughs> I was like, I got to hear that project. They, have you heard of that podcast, like, The Worst Idea in the World or something like that? <laughs> Is this where they like watch a movie over and over again? Yeah, it was like these Australians, and I think it was Grown Ups Two that they watched oh, every day yes. for a year or, so, or every week wow. for a year. I mean, I would, I, I'm into durational projects like that. I'm in, I, I yeah. would love to hear you <laughs> record whatever your version of having watched Oceans Twelve specifically. <laughs> Yeah. Times. Oh, I can break it down nice and easy for you, and it'll make total <laughs> sense. Um, any good heist movie is about a bunch of friends coming together to accomplish something, all of which was absolutely impossible during COVID. So it allowed me to immediately tap into that. And Ocean's Eleven, God bless it, has to spend a lot of time introducing everybody. Mm. And Ocean's Twelve, you show up. And everybody you love is there, all of your friends, and you get a little bit more Julia Roberts, and you're happy about it. You know, it's just, it's truly, you can feel the cast in that movie having a good time, and they know that they're they're making something for fun. But, like, you, you can, there's scenes that are clearly everybody, it'll be like three seconds where everyone's improvising at once, and you're just like, wait, wh what? That is so fun. Yeah. That's I love that you have such a deep that that you know it so specifically what the connection is. That's beautiful. You I mean there's something to be said as well for obsessing over a piece of media like that. The degree to which I do know that movie now is absolutely absurd. I and I truly every 
time I watch it, I appreciate it a little bit more in a very genuine way where I'm just like, oh, wow, there's there's this like there's arcs for all of the characters in really subtle and small ways. There are so many beautiful jokes where uh, it's so easy to miss. One, it's, one, one of my favorite jokes in Ocean's 12 is Elliot Gould says, who's the guy on the hundred dollar bill? Bill, and everybody in the room shouts out a different name and he says yeah him and then, and then he just moves on and it's just like you know like that's not a joke that really catches the first time mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. it's a convoluted movie that's why people don't like it but now i've watched it enough that i'm like fully on board with every little moment yeah that's great that's beautiful i really love that but so the, okay, so you're do so you're realizing these things are important to you in part through the repeat viewing of Ocean's Twelve, sure. and it sounds like recently you're trying to figure out what you keep from that. What what lasting lessons is that too reductive to say? No, no. no. I mean, there. It, it's like I. Uh, I, f I feel underqualified to put it into a nice little nugget, but just trying to um, experience and care about community and uh, make the best version of the thing I'm trying to make and um, having financial stability in the meantime. You know what I mean? That yeah. like, it's like <clears throat> outside and community include, I got married over COVID. So like that. Yeah, congratulations. By the way. Thank you very much. Um, the relationships in your wife, in your life, in your wife. Wow. That's the, the stupidest Freudian slip I've ever had. <laughs> um, th that That's where that lives for me. Right. So like friends, family, all of that. Um, it's important and prioritized in a different kind of way than it was before COVID. Yeah. Which I don't think was rare. I don't, I, I think that a lot of people no. I speak to had their own versions of that. And well, the yeah. thing I think is rare is I, I, I don't, I mean, th this is where a lot of my anger is focused, but yeah. I don't know how many people, are really actively trying to be conscious about the lessons they learned and carry them forward. I think yeah. a lot of people very understandably are out of certain uncomfortable situations and would rather just kind of not process them, even if that means they arrive at some sort of usable life philosophy. I think they're just sure. like, that's that's over you know i'm out of the pool i just want to dry off and get home um yeah yeah but so 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 that's what's nice to hear i also though because this question of like ch being able to choose what you want about what happens after you die i appreciate the earthly concern of just like hoping that the world continues to evolve are there other things about that that you've 
chosen? When I think about uh, seeing people that have passed away after you die, right? Like that's a, a big, of course, after my dad dies, I re like, I'm, I'm reassessing all of that. Right. I, I outlined a movie where I put myself into a coma so that I could kind of like half be in heaven and go on a road trip with my dad. I, <laughs> and like, you know, I didn't do anything with it, but like that, that was me like exploring that a little bit. And I, I've tried, and I, I recently have, I've, kind of just given up on a joke about um, like, oh man, my dad died and I always want to talk to him. And I realized I can, he just can't talk back. You know, like I can, I can have my side of the conversation mm-hmm. all day, but it's, uh, that's about as far as I've really gotten as far <laughs> okay. as what the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so a lot of this stuff is so close that I find it easy to remove like okay instead of talking about my dad how can i talk about this feeling in something else right um dana gould the comedian put it very nicely i've heard him say on like podcasts and stuff that uh his dog can be in the room with his with his computer and his dog cannot fathom what a computer is right like he can't understand a computer no matter how hard he tries and i who who am i to say i understand the world you know i'm just a dog in a room with a computer and i that there's something freeing about that because does it mean that there's a heaven with uh, where my dad is just sitting there waiting to ask what i thought about the sequel to suicide squad uh, perhaps, but, um, right now I'm here and that's not the concern. <laughs> uh, and uh, neither talking then, like, to your dad or the sequel to suicide squad. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I don't know, man, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I've tried to wrap the kind of like bitter agnosticism that, you kind of find it in college, you know, and kind of repurpose it as, well, what the hell do I know? You know, just kind of like an attitude of of that. And um, I try to think the world's bigger than I am. You know, that's a very grounding thing to remember. And then in knowing that, well, what do I want to contribute to the world? And that can be in a, in a, very personal way, like raising a family, you know, which is truly contributing to the world, right? Yeah. Um, it can be building something or creating something, but regardless, I don't know, maybe I'm finally giving in to being told what to do. <laughs> okay, fine. I won't worry about it too much. Sure. You win. Sure. Just the universe or life itself is like, yeah, or almost refusing to tell you what to do. Like you're sure. like, yeah, you're telling it like give me an answer and it's like no, I won't and you're just sure yeah, have to give up. The next bit of the podcast yeah. comes from my most recent one man show which was set in the afterlife and where I tell people that in the afterlife you get to fully relive one memory. Um the rest aren't wiped. It's just that you get to choose one 
and drop down into it so you can re-experience it very vividly. If that were the case and you did have to pick just one, what memory would you choose? It's hard because there's people missing from all of the top choices. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And Um, well, and you don't have to, you're not like summarizing your whole life here. You know, you're not like, no, but if I'm, but (laughs) listen, I'm not trying to summarize my life to you. I'm trying to make sure I hit the people I want to hang out with forever. You know, it's like, Oh man. Um, my wife and I had a couple of weddings because we won a wedding on Instagram. And then we had to have a wedding for families because we had like a week to be like, by the way, we won a wedding on Instagram. It's happening. Bye. Uh, And not everybody could make it. Right. So like we had to have two different weddings, um, both of which were incredibly special to us in their own ways. Um, You won a wedding on Instagram. Yeah. Dave, we're talking about the afterlife right now. Okay. Uh, (laughs) a friend entered us because they knew we were engaged and then we got uh my wife got a dm and she was like is this for real and we looked into it and yeah it was uh through it for who did you win it from so the lodge room is a venue in los angeles that weddings happen at a lot and and they wanted to show off their best bands and the their cool cake maker and their cool... They wanted to be like, this is what it's like to have a wedding. Uh, but to do that, it's best if there's actually a wedding that is yeah. the focus of that. And we just got to... We had a 10-piece band that I promise you I never would have been able to afford. You know what I mean? Like, I... I it was unreal. And it honestly, it was Los Angeles, so there was kind of this extra level of, like, Oh my God, everybody here is so professional. <laughs> yeah, came, right. Yeah, right, like right. it was wild, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like what a delight, right? Like it was open to the public. All Like it was just like a weird. Oh, really? Fun... Yeah, yeah. So oh. there were, I mean, people from all walks of my life were just there. And it was, and total strangers that were just like, hell yeah, wedding. Sure, I, sure. It was surreal. How so? You'd already, you were already engaged at that point. Yes. And how quickly? Like, so you you get the DM. How quick from DM to event? I'm pretty sure it was not more than a week. Whoa! What? Yeah, <laughs> that is right. So much faster than I was expecting you to say. Yeah. I was like, wow. So, how many folks that ended up at the second wedding? were able to schlep out there quickly for the Instagram wedding. Only a handful, honestly. Sure. Um, which is why it was important, you know, you don't <laughs> you don't put on a second wedding unless you have to, right? But it felt sure. like we like, you know, we wanted um more family there and more uh folks. We had the second wedding on the East Coast, which also made it um in Buffalo. And that made it easier for East coasters, you know, mm-hmm. um, was there anything about the second wedding where you were like, this is, you know, we did put more effort into this. This is really meaningful, but that band was really nice or anything like that. <laughs> My wife and I go hard. So it's, uh, it was very special in its own okay. wild ways. I, um, true. That's why. So the reason we started talking about this is like, 
what moment would you want to relive? Truly, either of those were so much fun and so bizarre. We insisted that everybody dress up and... But isn't that what do you mean dress? Isn't that part of? Oh no no no! I don't mean like a suit. I mean like a costume. Like come as a costume. Okay. And we don't care what kind, but like we just like don't come in just a suit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So then that meant extended family that was like, like yeah, I know how to dress at a wedding. It was like you actually want me to dress like a cowboy? You yeah, really yeah, want yeah. that? Yeah. Um. And for us, that just was much more fun and kind of had this spirit of like let's. Let's do the damn thing. Um, it was completely magical. And there were friends from the internet that came to that that I had never seen in real life. You know what I mean? Like, it was a wild day. That being the Buffalo one? Mm-hmm. Okay. From what corners of the internet? My buddy, the artist Nick Tefani, he and some of his friends from Boston that I'd got, I just became close with over COVID. We, uh, mm, through like... Cool. Joining a Discord that started playing Among Us, there was a Discord of us that got super close to each other. And then Nick and I just had a bunch in common and we became good friends and we were like, let's let's do this. A filmmaker named Ray Catolo, who I uh, he's we started out by just trying to like uh he was helping me with stream stuff and then we became friends and um, he's always making stuff. And he's, I got, I, I talked to him endlessly online, but then got to see him for the first time in person, you know, um, it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. I see how that, right. Cause, cause, cause I remember those experiences of like seeing people for the first time that I'd met online in COVID, but to add that to a wedding where you're, you know, all the usual aspects of a wedding plus the dressing up, were there other elements? Like if you had to isolate a a small sliver of the wedding, is there, can you? There was a handmade huppa. I, which is like a oh man I'm not Jewish so I'm not going to be able to describe it well. Um, it's like a, a an archway that you get married. Oh under. sure yeah yeah um, yeah. The my wife and her family are Jewish and I had my friends built that for us just there. Um, the sun was setting. Our dog was in a wedding dress and was like behaving like it was a trained dog somehow and just like going everywhere that it needed to and like laying perfectly. We were like, we didn't expect the dog (laughs) to be kind of perfect in this way. We tried to plan for the dog to like go run off wherever, you know, and um, a contingency plan for if it starts barking and uh, things like that. But um Going through something like that where it's that personal and it's like, whoa, this is, these are people that are incredibly important to me in my life. This is just for my community and my sense of who I am and my relationship with my wife and all of those things. Um, of course, you kind of just think of those things differently. And I... 
Tim and I have a very special relationship and he got up there to speak and he read the intro to Lost. And uh, what I knew and my wife knew was him talking about watching Lost with us over the pandemic in this, like in this incredible, we were, we were constantly laughing. I had never seen it. They had both seen it. So then they were getting closer in that way. And I was experiencing this thing for the first time. And that was Tim sewing something into the fabric of what he was making. You know what I mean? Like that was a really special little moment. Yeah. I mean, my mom and I have never been closer and the wedding was a big part of that, you know, just kind of like finding this new phase of a relationship. And uh, it's a big mix of all kinds of different emotions, you know? My last big question for you. Okay. Is what's your coma? And the context for this question, I think you know that I was in a coma for a month in 2014. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I was keeping up with all of that. Yeah. Okay. Were yeah? I can were tell you... you exactly where I was when I found out that not only had you not died, but had woken up and, and had tweeted, uh, "What was it? A Jar Jar Binks quote?" Yeah, it was. It was this. Re- I I went through this phase of really trying to to be as absurd as some of my I thought it was very friends. funny. I thought I yeah, I, I guess it, it was, was a it was a I I definitely appreciated it. Perhaps as one of your friends that was so absurd that he lost himself in it. Sure, but I sure. I remember thinking because <laughs> all the other stuff was very obvious. Do you know what I mean? Like what like whatever you said you were you were alive. Right, right. It right, grieved right. you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I had literally been like, wow, what a loss. That's a sad, like that's really sad. Mm-hmm. I like and um instead it was what Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving. It was just after Thanksgiving, I think, that I that I posted it wasn't it was posting on Facebook at that point. That which yeah, did yes, the, yes, yes, right. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, it was Jar- I I was calling Jar Jar Binks Jar Banks. That was basically the bit. And I would just say I am Jar Banks every week or so on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And then this was like happy to report that I'm back and 10,000% Jar Banks or something like that. I think was the <laughs> I appreciate your your humor. I I was yeah. sleeping on a couch on the very first time I was really going on tour. I was in Denver and I woke up and was like checking Facebook is my memory of it. And I would and I had to explain to the people I was staying with, I was like, oh my right, God, right, I can't right. even like <laughs> like how do you explain this? It is really wild that you're because you're having a a a very strange experience. Yeah. And not and not being in Chicago, you you have to brief people on a whole story <laughs> and of course it's not going to hit as hard because when they know the guy woke up yeah right they right. need yeah they it's need a totally the, different thing right they need the month of like yeah you just can't communicate a month of this right. guy's dead but the point being so I, so if for the purpose of this question yeah 
any moment of transformation does not have to be grandiose where before you're one version of yourself and after you're another. Because for me, this isn't the only one that I would say is a coma moment, but my sure. literal coma was uh, a, a not straight line, but a, a jagged line toward, uh, you know, my friends who moved around the time that I was in the coma, I do feel a little bit like they don't fully know me as well anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any, anything like that. I talked about how I like to put my thoughts into something that aren't about the thing directly. So I will say that to give you the straightforward answer, (laughs) um, to give you the straightforward answer, I would say that my life and worldview and sense of self changed completely after my father died. Uh, But rather than elaborating on that, I'm going to read you a page and a half that I wrote a couple months ago that happens to be about this exact topic that I hadn't found any home for. So I, I, yeah, it's just like a little thing that I wrote that I think answers the question as well as I would want it to, um, even though it's not necessarily direct. Is that cool? I'm I'm okay with that. I I mean I yeah I'm not trying to trying to blow up. The first line is I can tell you what happens when you die. So I would say that this is relevant. Okay, great. Okay, here we go. I can tell you what happens when you die. You don't have to believe me. I died once for like a month and a half. I died. Had a heart attack in a photo booth. I thought it was a confessional. I mistook them all for a cathedral. I had made some money taming shrews in Australia and invested in a chirogenic freezing timeshare. I got the afternoon hours and my dentist got the morning. I don't know who had it the rest of the time. My dentist pulled me into the investment opportunity. By chance, the scientific breakthrough needed to make me alive again was discovered about a month and a half after I was dead and frozen. For that month and a half, I was dead. And if you would stop interrupting me, I'll tell you... Oh. For that month and a half, I was dead. And if you would stop interrupting me, I'll tell you what it was like. At first, your soul is sort of rebooting. So it just feels like you've been fully turned off. Your essence is restarting in safe mode so that we can make sure there wasn't anything vital in your files before putting you on a shelf until you end up in a landfill or a thrift store. So I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of afterlife beyond this part. But this is what I can tell you happened when I died. There's this huge hallway. It looks exactly like you're thinking. People from your life are lined up on either side of it. Important people. Obvious ones, like my Aunt Karen, who took board games seriously with us as a kid, and was a gentle intellect that provided a unique flavor to any recipe she was included in. Surprising ones, like my best friend's mom. Just this long list of people that influenced my my, my worldview in different ways. Yours would be similar. My mom and dad weren't there, but I could hear them through this earpiece that was so far into my ear, I couldn't even feel that it was there. They'd speak up whenever they wanted, agreeing or disagreeing with everyone I spoke to and each other. After the divorce, my dad took the right ear and my mom took the left. The reason it's a hallway is because they are in chronological order. The hallway acts as a timeline. If you go all the way back, you see people like Mrs. Cox from first grade. We were still too young to make fun of that name. By age 11, the name Scoutmaster Bates got off pretty easy considering (laughs) Chronological is significant because of who is within earshot of who. For instance, my high school teacher and my first grade teacher would not want to hear that I have come to enjoy marijuana. 
but no one after college would care at all. The other thing this does is help provide a context for one person by being surrounded by what else was influencing you at the same time. I mean, communism has meant so many different things to so many different people in my life. Maybe not yours, but that's why our worldview is different. That is why you have been rebooted in safe mode, so that a quick review can make sure that nothing important from your life gets lost to history. It's sort of a cosmic bureaucratic funeral. Imagine if you paid taxes, but to God, and then this is how God grieved you. This is the universe pouring you out into the sink rather than dropping a glass bottle full of liquid into the trash can. This is the VHS tape being rewound before returning it, even though the public library you borrowed it from does not charge you for being unkind and not rewinding. I'm not sure I could be any more clear. I don't know how long you spend there. Maybe it's different for everyone. I guess it could be purgatory or heaven or even hell. Depends how complicated your relationship with your family is. I was there for a month and a half, which was just long enough to start getting bored. Eventually, my Lutheran pastor friend from summer camp couldn't teach me any more magic tricks, and I had heard the whole life story of my driving instructor, who was only there because I thought about her every time I parallel parked. Fascinating woman. Born in South America, raised in London, indescribable accent. I don't know exactly why everyone was there and why a couple people were missing entirely. I wasn't there to understand. I was just going over it all. Eventually, my high school friend Nick Davis was showing me how to make a zip line using the handlebars of a bike, and I thought I'd impress him by walking on the edge of the light. He probably thought I passed on to whatever was next, but that's when I woke up and wasn't dead anymore. I didn't even trip on anything, just got careless and lost my balance. So that's what happens. Your version of it, anyway. I wonder if it'll happen again the next time I die. I don't think I'll be able to afford getting chirogenically frozen again. All the shrews have been tamed in Australia. Maybe it'll be just people that have influenced me since I was last there. Maybe the new folks will join the old. Maybe I'll just pop up when I'm inside of other people's hallways. Maybe it'll just be a small circle of metal chairs, and whoever needs to be there just shows up. Maybe it won't happen again. Maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe it did. The end! So I went through a little bit of a roller coaster with that. Man. <laughs> the can I tell you about it? Please. So obviously I'm not I'm not doing TMZ or whatever the fucking new version of TMZ is here. So when someone wants to be vague, I don't see it as my or or indirect. I'll say mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I don't see mm -hmm. it as my job to we're not doing therapy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that said, I also am aware that specificity can really, uh, to put it, to put it mildly, make, make things pop for people. It's really yeah. like uh, one of the, one of the more interesting uh, afterlives I heard was a Tibetan Buddhist. Um, and she talked about the like 16 specific, there's like a split into 16 parts. Hell, there's a split into eight parts. Hell, there's a freezing hell. There's a burn, like all these really, really specific things. Right. So that's like yeah. fascinating. Um, so my first instinct, my first, like, you know, and, and, and these are split seconds, right? So I'm not living in this very long, but I'm like, Okay, Ian's Ian's gonna go a little indirect. 
a, a brief brief moment of disappointment, right? Sure. And then and then the opening is really funny in this I mean surely Jack Handy is an influence for you, right? Huge. Yeah, right. love Jack Handy. Jack, right. if you're listening, I still owe you money and I'm sorry. Is he still alive? He dude, he's is still alive. He's awesome. I've never met him or talked to him, but <laughs> I, I do owe him money. No. Yeah. Um so he so okay, so in that way and I'm also like this shit's crazy, man. Ian is this is the second time he's referenced comas in this in this episode. <laughs> like Isn't that wild? And and I was in for for a few for the three and a half weeks, so it's yeah. like n- not not far off. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I thought about you when I was writing that. I kind of forgot. I pulled that up mid conversation. I completely forgot that I wrote that, and then something you said, I was like, "Wait, oh, I kind of wrote this." And That's then, great. yeah. Well, and then the last thing, and the most important thing, is, I, I mean, it's still. Doing this podcast makes it so that I technically think about death, think about the afterlife, think about heavy stuff all the time. But because it's so commonplace, it doesn't feel as heavy, right? It's just like, it's a place to play. It's a place to really talk about life, you know, all this sort of stuff. But occasionally... I'll get like kind of sucked back in to a moment. And that end sucked me back into the really, really terrifying moment of waking up before I was out of the hospital. I got to go on a, what did they call it? But it was basically like, you can, you can take a day trip basically, or, or a weekend. I got to go for a weekend back home uh, and some friends visited. And I was just terrified because I I hadn't seen anything. I didn't have some great revelation about what yeah. death was yeah. or the afterlife. Right. And I did. And having all these eulogies on Facebook, I was like, so who am I now? So you actually right. kind of fucking nailed it at the end there <laughs> of like, I don't know what will happen again. I don't right. know if it will be this way again. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'll just be a person in other people's hallways. Loved that. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and this, this true feeling of like, but also the living of life of like, okay, so if, if these eulogies are sort of passing judgment, right, are like the final accounting of who I was. Yeah. But I've but I'm still alive, and I've already had a final accounting. What the fuck are the next, you know, hopefully forty, fifty, whatever years sure. going to be? Uh, hopefully, you know, it, am I just kind of a zombie? Am I just? Do I get a free pass? Can I kill people? Like, is it because I was already this kind of guy before? I mean, like that's yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm hyperbolizing but like you got incredible news for you dave what's that uh what you've lived through is oceans 11 and now you get your oceans 12 (laughs) (laughs) you know now you just get to now 
You just get to come back. You don't have to explain anything. You get to do it exactly as you want it. And I'll be honest with you, it's absolutely better than the first. (laughs) Well, you sure know how to end a podcast, man. I mean, you nailed it there. But But the thing that's weird is like, it would be nice if uh, the sequel didn't also come with a lot of the same baggage that the first yeah, one had. You know, for sure, for sure. They could sure. have switched directors. Well in the box office, you'd think that that there'd be uh, life would be a little easier. It's it's a little more convoluted than the first one, right? And, oh boy, is it! <laughs> but your diehard fans are going to watch it over and over again. And for the record, Steven Soderbergh, who in this metaphor would be God. Mm-hmm said that it is perhaps his favorite movie he's ever directed. Ocean's 12. That is the show. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Ian for doing it. And please follow him at those links in the show notes. See him when he performs. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr for more. This is your afterlife. And until next week, remember... You are a mist. Thing that seems impossible, you can do miracles, miracles, you can do them. Have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings, they do miracles.